Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcast starts now. And even Earnestness Bonanza starts now, one could say. And even one could say uh, the Earnestness Bonanza starts now. And I want to say happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Oh, happy Thanksgiving to all. As everyone is listening to this, I will be preparing Thanksgiving dinner for 12 people with Matthew. Can you believe that? (laughs) I'm actually, I'm having heart palpitations just thinking about it. I mean, that sounds insane. So this is coming out, what, two days before Thanksgiving? Yeah. Perfect. So it's gonna people are gonna be in the thick of the Thanksgiving spirit. We are in studio, I should say. In Los Angeles, California. In studio in Los Angeles, California. We just recorded an episode that will come out after this. And we are coming off of like this really incredible week of shows. And we have to say, for those that don't know what this is potentially, the Ernestus Bonanza is not like any other episode mm-hmm. that we would ever do. This is where we uh, drop the bit as completely as we possibly can and uh, try to be sincere and earnest and is it sometimes boring 100 percent by design one could say <laughs> and yet that's honesty yeah and the, fir- the first few times we did it i was like oh god i'm being so boring i'm not saying anything that is in any way entertaining or funny and then i kind of had an empowering moment where i was like and that's good <laughs> <laughs> well i remember being like we can't possibly release these and then we did and then someone was like people kept being like oh i loved the earnestness one yeah, you like, should do that more often. We're like, no, we're like, comedians, yeah, we're, sweetheart. Yeah, I like it when we're funny and when we're like <laughs> yeah. trying really hard, not yeah. when we're just like yeah. sort of talking. Yeah, people were like, 
normally you guys try so hard and it keeps <laughs> falling flat. At least now you're like, you know, be normal. But I think it's a good time for one, yes. one because Thanksgiving and two because of this incredible week of shows yeah. that George was just about to go into. Yeah, we it really is kind of the perfect time to stop and be grateful for one another, <laughs> for everyone who has ever supported the podcast, also for everyone we work with now. Yeah. Um, our producers, Hans and Olivia, and our editor, Adam. It's like one of the best, if not the best, like kind of wor- working team relationship I've ever had. Yeah. There's not like a single person where like when I get an email from them, I'm like, oh my God, this again. Yeah. <laughs> and they really understand really us like, and they like yeah, us and we, want us to do our yes, thing. It really feels like um, something you are told does not happen when you are in this cutthroat industry of podcasting and in this town which in this is town of los angeles, los angeles <laughs> yeah which is where we are randomly which is where we are do you want to talk about a little bit about the shows i do yeah so we had the most stressful week of our entire lives we were <laughs> which actually is kind of sad if you think about it um but we were doing like and this is earnestness it's hard for us it's actually hard for me to get in like to like talk i'm like oh no one wants to hear about this but okay we did a show at for New York Comedy Festival at, at the, the Bell, Bell House. House. And that was really fun. And that was on like Wednesday of last mm-hmm. week. Then on Friday. Well, then on oh, Thursday. On Thursday, we did game show. Uh, with Dave Mazzoni, our friend. And normally Matt Rogers, but he wasn't there. But so we were the two like queer, uh, wise queers on game show. And so that was Thursday night. Then Friday, we flew to LA. Saturday, we had two shows at Vulture Fest. One was our show which was kind of we did this um very silly satirical event that was kind of making fun of the concept of a panel event it was kind of like the first scene of tar so we were pretending to be titans of the podcasting industry and our friend sudi green past guest was playing the role of like a hard-hitting journalist and asking us all these questions and so we spent all day saturday kind of writing we wrote like all these questions and this whole controversy section where we had to address all these con- fake controversies and Sudi like really committed to the character. It was like, it really felt like something completely different than anything we've ever done. It also, we didn't see, we didn't like do it thinking like we're going to do something really like subversive. We were kind of like, oh, this is like a comedy, like there's going to be comedy on this festival and this is what we think would be funny to do. Like if it's our fans, they'll understand it's funny that we're like pretending to be really self-important. And then it was like, oh, it's like there is comedy at the festival, but it's mostly genuine Q&As. Yeah, and it's like pop culture fandom It's stuff. a pop culture pop festival. Yeah. And so then <laughs> it looked like it's turned us into like actually doing the edgiest thing. <laughs> yeah. It, I was like, oh, we are suddenly Andy Kaufman. We are like. <laughs> it was really fun. I was worried almost that we were like offending the organizers, which was not like because there weren't, I guess, we also maybe thought there would be more comedy events. Totally. There were like two or three comedy events, but it really was like mostly, um, you know, panels and cast reunions and, uh, you know, like uh, like live podcast recordings and whatever. And it did feel like we were kind of the jokers. Of, <laughs> like we were like doing jester. We were being jesters, basically. We were we the were court being, jesters. We were being court jesters because also it's like it was at a festival. So you have to assume there are some people that are, don't know who we are and are just coming oh, to something that says 100 q a about podcasting yeah because yeah, the title of the event was vulture presents stradio lab presents what is podcasting a conversation <laughs> and truly multiple people were like uh 
is this serious? Like, should I come to, is this like a show or is it serious? And um, to that I say, darling, <laughs> use use your brain. <laughs> but it was so fun. I've actually never felt, I haven't felt like that, um, both like nervous and excited on stage yeah. in a long time where it, it was like, yeah. oh my God, we are like being, we're being the Joker. We're it being was, so, yeah. we're being like little stinkers. It was electric. I was so, obviously I'm always grateful for you every second of every day, but Sudi in that moment, I was like, I feel so safe in her hands. Mm -hmm. She was so fully committing to the bit. And then we had Matt Rogers, who was there for his own show. We asked him if he would want to do like a cameo, basically. And when we opened up for Q audience Q&A, the joke was that we kept calling on him. And of course, people were so excited um, that it was him. And he could have done anything, but he came fully prepared with a character and a narrative and <laughs> three questions that each had like their own introduction. The, he had multiple beats that each heightened. And I was like, <laughs> okay, was you like, know, you don't have to be like funnier than yeah, us right yeah. now. <laughs> I, yeah. So that was the, that was our little event that we did. It was in the like, kind of like smaller stage pool side mm -hmm. um, at the festival. And then right after that uh, like an hour later we did Matt's show which was this big kind of Thanksgiving or oh God Christmas variety show yeah turns out everyone's really good at singing except for us but, yeah but we had so much fun and it was just like we got to be like the little stinker sidekicks yeah it was, I was like, like this is heaven like the premise was that he's in his living room for Christmas and his friends keep coming over and doing stuff with him it was kind of like it, it felt very like classic variety show and we were the only ones who didn't sing <laughs> And so our, I guess he just kind of had a conversation with us, and then we just like were on stage while all these, <laughs> like true singers, were like singing, and we were just kind of reacting to it. It was a damn blast. It was so fun. Truly felt insane after that. Yeah. And then by the way, like that that night was also just like one of the best. It's really like one of the best nights socially of the past three years for me. Like yeah, I have it to felt agree. like a sort of pre-pandemic joy that I, I hadn't felt in so long. We all got dinner afterwards, everyone from that show, and then uh, our Mo, Fry, Pasek, and us went back to our hotel for a nightcap, and we're just like laugh, laugh, laughing all night. So fun. We were literally like walking because our hotel <laughs> was on the like walk of stars or whatever, and it was we started out by being like, who would like who cares about this, and then immediately just started seeing names of celebrities that we recognize, and we go ah! literally every name we recognize, which is many of them, they're all famous. We would just be like, oh my god, Pink, oh my god, Nicole Kidman, oh my god, Anne Hathaway. And I, I still have photos of my on my phone where it's like, why did I take a photo of Pink Star? When am I like, when am I gonna need that? But I was in that moment. I was like, well, I have to have a photo of Pink Star. It was so fun. We were being crazy, and I was having a blast. It felt like summer camp, and uh, yeah. And then and so then the next uh, the next day was our one day off. We again like had such a nice like I saw Julia Claire during the day. Then we saw Josh and Aaron at night. I had dinner with Charles Rogers. Um, and so that was like our one friend day. And then, uh, Monday was our show at the Elysian, which, which was genuinely like, I felt like I was on drugs. Just a cherry on top. Uh, everyone, the audience was like one of the best audiences we've, we've ever had. I was like, I've never felt so supportive by a room full of people. <laughs> um, it was, it felt really friends and family. We had Sydney, Greta, Mo, and Nori. So all people that we like really love and do not have to like feel like we're doing work with. Yeah. Us after that show versus us on Tuesday, uh, the previous week when we were so deeply stressed out and like still even trying to book people and still trying to like put it all together and figure out what we were doing. 
it was just like what a sense of relief and it was like <laughs> it was very emotional yeah it was it really <laughs> felt like a weight had been lifted because yeah i mean we basically did one two three four five we basically did five shows in five days yeah in two in two cities now i understand other people have harder lives than us but but it was it for us it did you know it it did feel like a lot and a lot of pressure i mean the you know you just never know how these things are gonna go i mean i absolutely have ptsd from doing bad like planning shows and having them flop 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 in la you, you really you really never know and i and we've both had experiences of like shows we thought were gonna do well that like sold no tickets that did sell tickets but did but were terrible <laughs> where like you thought a bit would crush and it just didn't and anyway it just it was uh, it was kind of one of those weeks where everything seemed to be going right and everyone around us was like doing their best to help out and be supportive and uh yeah and i guess yeah so that leads us to the earnestness bonanza which yeah i think we're i guess i even want to say like Thanks for coming. Yeah. Like anyone who came to a show or I don't know, <laughs> or, or has come to a show in the past. And I even want to say like, thanks for listening. Yeah. Why not? Like, I think this week in particular really put a, like a different perspective on it. You know, we've seen it, the podcast grow and it's been very nice to see, but this like doing like all these shows and feeling like, like it's hard for me sometimes to like understand that what we're doing is <laughs> like it almost transcends us as individuals in a I, I maybe that's too aggrandizing but it's like it is it is something it is something and i like to be like yeah it's our stupid podcast that i don't care about or whatever well it is our stupid podcast but it's also like fun to be like i don't know if we're like stupid and silly and um uh you know whimsical or whatever else it's like fun to then be in a room of all people that are like in the mood to be silly and stupid yeah and i don't i mean we're not under any uh, impression that we're doing like deep important cultural work no but it's also like just like super fun to it's basically just um i think mostly it's just like fun to meet people that share our sensibility and that have a similar similar sense of humor and to be like you guys seem really cool yeah and so, I don't know. Yeah, last night we were, like, talking to people after the show, and it was just, like, so nice to meet people. And I thought every single person I talked to was, like, genuinely someone that's cool and that I would, like, be friends with um, if we if we lived in Los Angeles, of course. <laughs> Which, don't ask us. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Grateful. So, grateful. So, uh, to kick it off, George. Uh-oh. <laughs> It's been an amazing time podcasting with you. As we've gone into our corporate era, I'm so happy that we have not changed an ounce and we are still raw and edgy. And, um, you know, these, especially an event like that Vulture thing where we're doing something kind of experimental, I feel so taken care of performing with you. I, because when it's just myself, I'm sort of like, I can get even, I can get very, very nervous because I, by myself, ooh, baby. Yeah. The highs are high, but the lows are low. <laughs> and there are times when I can flop, but with, with the two of us, I always feel, you know, honestly, I'm like, and this is knock on wood, we're absolutely going to bomb as soon as I say this, but I'm like, there's no way we can bomb. No, we'll find something. do not. I'm knocking, I'm knocking <laughs> on the table. I'm just like, you know what? We'll f- not that there's no way we can bomb. And I take that back. But I was like, you know, we'll find something. And I could kind of trust that we could find something. Yes. Even if like the things that we intended to go right, well right, right. weren't going to go well. Yes. 
and I would like to ping pong that pickleball that back to you <laughs> and say that at this point, like, you know, we had this like, I, I don't want to go into the whole thing where in the beginning of the podcast, the joke was that we were coworkers, but then we actually became super close friends and uh, whatever everyone knows. And like at this point, we have been legitimately close friends for many years. And it's not <laughs> worth addressing. But there's a way where I feel like there's always even one level deeper. Mm-hmm. And what makes me so grateful and excited about our friendship is that I never know what that next level will be. And it like I feel like our relationship is deepening every day. And like you still surprise me with certain things you say or certain things you do. It feels like kind of in the same way with like a, a sibling you're very close to where like even though you know them inside and out, there's always something to talk about and there's mm-hmm. always something to do. And when we're like sitting next to each other in a show, sometimes I will like <laughs> sometimes I will like physically just touch your shoulder and it almost feels like I'm like it's like physically grounding. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that's our little earnestness up top. Earnestness up top. And wow. now guess what we're gonna do? Answer your damn questions. And now we're gonna answer your damn questions. As soon as Sam gets his laptop working. I know I'm not a great tech head. Um Okay. Let's start at the start. Let's do it. Okay. This is from Elena. Sam, can you tell us more about Gizmo? How long have you had him? What kind of dog is he? What is his general affect? Does he bark? Etc. And now, most importantly, can you explain your ethos as a dog owner? Are you a dog owner who lets your dog get away with a lot? Do you get offended if people don't love your dog? Do you take him everywhere? Do you have strict boundaries? I have a theory that someone's approach to their dog says a lot about them, and I'm very curious about yours. I love this question. So this is part one. Part two is for you, but I'll do my part first. Okay, great. So Gizmo, he is a, a rescue. He is a blue healer mixed with something I'm not sure of. He is cranky. He has some aggression issues, if I'm being completely honest. Um, I can concur. <laughs> Although, actually, I, because I've been told that so much, I don't attempt to pet him, so I've never had issues with him. But I do sometimes wish I could like take his little face in my hands. I know. It's the, it's the preparedness paradox. Yeah. But I do, like, he just, he's complicated because he, he almost, like, doesn't like affection. Like, but then as soon as he, someone's ignoring him, he's like, well, I want a little. Mm-hmm. But I think the real key is to like pet him a little and then like stop and then he'll like walk away. But I'm like, he's tough. He's like a stubborn dog. <laughs> so I try to just like work with him rather than against him. Like, uh, it's sort of my approach. Like there was a while, like we have found out like, okay, he doesn't like when people get in his face. Like that is a fact. So now we just tell everyone that comes in, like, don't get in his face and generally ignore him unless he like approaches you. Yeah, I tried a lot of different methods. Like I tried like cuz he has leash aggression and so I tried to like do the like sit and treat at every time we would pass another dog. And then like that <laughs> really did not work. <laughs> and then like I tried yeah, I tried like being like stopping every time like and like get being really strict and that like didn't that actually did work better. Honestly, the thing that worked the most was changing where I put his collar, like his leash, putting it like higher up on his neck. Um, cause that was like more uncomfortable for him. And so he was like, okay, now I don't want to mess around on this. But generally I try to, I think, um, I am the strict parent and Misha is the nice parent. Misha's always like giving him extra treats and stuff. And I'm always like, well, he already ate dinner, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I love my dog very much. And we have a very, very special bond. And, um, how long have you had him? I have had him for. 11 years that's crazy yeah that is crazy 
you're not a dog owner that brings him to like bars and stuff. No, just because he's like, he needs his space. Yeah. I like to bring him like, if we're going to a park to mm-hmm. sit somewhere, I'll bring him there. Uh, I like to bring him on quote unquote vacations. Like if we're going to my parents' house or Misha's sure. parents' house, I love to get him out of the city whenever I can. Yeah. Because I think it calms him. Definitely. All right. Yep. And now yours. Okay. So this is mine. Um, all right. George, you've said in past episodes that you've changed your name because it's almost impossible to pronounce in English. So obviously I'm extremely curious about what your name is. Can you introduce yourself using your full name like you would in Greece? On a similar note, <laughs> on the first Earnestness Bonanza, a listener requested 30 seconds of Sam giggling. I wonder how many people have sexually pleasured themselves to those 30 seconds of Sam giggling. Thousands, <laughs> hopefully. Can I request 30 seconds of you speaking Greek? Wow. You know, we did, I, I gotta say, we said this episode would be self-indulgent. So if you find yourself being like, this is self-indulgent, know that it's by design. Yeah, that's the point. That's the point. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm happy to say what my full name is. So in Greek, my name would be Yorgos Tsiviriotis. And basically I shortened, like, I didn't want to just like change my name to like George Smith. Like I wanted it to have like a Greek vibe. And so in fact, so my name normally would start with a TS, but that's actually that actually was because of a regional accent kind of um, and so when I change it to a C that's almost kind of harkening back to like the original name that it would be because my family my dad's family was from a village or from a town called Kiveri with a like with a C sound in the beginning so it would have been Kiveriotis and so I made it Kiveri like Severis and so it's in my mind it's like part of etymologically it has roots in the actual name so I didn't want to just like make it something random um, did your sisters? No, no, no. I mean, it's and I wouldn't have. Um, the only reason I did it is because I was like doing stand up, and I just like wanted people to be able to pronounce it when bringing me on stage. Like, sure. If I wasn't, even if I was just a, a writer, I would not have changed it. Like, it's not, you know. It. I will say it is. It is annoying to have a name that no one can pronounce. Like when we lived in New Jersey, it was just so exhausting that like I would have like my middle school graduation and the. And the teacher would ask me like three times ahead of time, like, how do I say this? And then on the day of the thing, she'd be like, George T. And then everyone would like laugh knowingly. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just like annoying. Um, but then again, right now it's annoying because my legal name is different than the name everyone knows me by. And so it's impossible to like, you know, just like I'll have like a dinner reservation. Someone will show up early and it's like with my old email address. So they'll be like, it's for Severus. And they're like, we don't have it. And they'll like text me. You know, it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a whole thing. Also, I say Severus, even though it's a fake name, that's how I pronounce it. And of course, most people now say Severus. And I'm like, well, I couldn't even escape. Still, people can't pronounce my fake name. Um, Okay, and then 30 seconds. Sure, I can speak Greek for 30 seconds. Would you like to time me? Yeah, ready, set, go. Me lene Giorgo, I'm from Athena. Έχω δύο αδελφές, μία τη λένε Λιβία, μία τη λένε Χριστίνα. Τώρα μένω στη Νέα Υόρκη, αλλά πηγαίνω σπίτι κάθε καλοκαίρι και για τα Χριστούγεννα. Τώρα σε λίγο θα έρθει η μαμά μου να μείνει μαζί μα. Στη Νέα Υόρκη Και γενικά περνάω πολύ ωραία Έχω έναν φίλο εδώ πέρα τον Σέαμ Έχουμε μαζί, δουλεύουμε μαζί Όλη μέρα και σε λίγο Θα πάω να φάω βραδινό Is that three more seconds Oh, you're done That means goodbye Alright, there we go Wow, that was powerful I mean, I definitely think thousands of people will pleasure themselves to that Let's fucking hope so Next question Next question Okay, this is from Liz. They asked three questions, but we're going to do the third question, which I think is funny. <laughs> what is the most morally corrupt sponsor you would allow and what for what price? Wait, okay. Before we answer this, I want to say, because 
we do get messages all the time about ads. I I want to just say like I think that often the ads are like algorithmically chosen and or personalized or like we're not signing off on every <laughs> ad and, and like we're we're really like learning as we go. We're also learning. It's very funny because I understand why it would be of course, off-putting. Of course. And I'm also like as a the person in it, I'm like, wait, why don't they know that we have no say? Or like, I know. I, I'm kind of like, well, yeah. When I listen to the radio, I don't necessarily think. But but of course, I understand. I, I understand that. Um, I don't know. I'm not kind of like. I'm not like shut up. Like I understand no, no. where it's coming from. Um, but it it really is like we listen to the podcast like two times before it's released for edits, and obviously the ads are not on those edits. So, to be honest, we don't listen to it when it has ads because we're not going <laughs> to listen to it a third time just like on our little walks yeah so it, it's always very surprising and sh- shocking in like a bad way when suddenly we'll get like an angry message about an ad. <laughs> yeah it's actually very weird um but i understand where it comes from yes of course but just the next time it happens go damn the algorithm sure is weird <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's our voices that's different yeah we are they're not using a, yes. uh, a bot to create our voices it's also yeah we're also kind of in the beginning of this process where like I'm sure in a year, like more of the ads will be like us endorsing things or whatever, like you like you hear in other podcasts. But like right now, since we're still new, it's mostly like just ads that exist in the whole network. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I do think we'll be more careful when it's like us doing something. You have to hope. You got to (laughs) hope. But I would love to plug the military. Yeah. Yeah. no. Okay. What is the most morally corrupt sponsor? And maybe let's say morally corrupt sponsor that we would do the voiceover for. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, let's see. Morally corrupt. You know, a real one. This is maybe too grounded of an answer. This seems like it could be a fun. There could be a funny answer here, but that's not what this one is. Yeah. Is like, I feel confused about like Amazon shows, where oh, it's like, sure, because it's like you want to be like hard line and be like, no, I'm not going to support. Like I would never do like a buy from Amazon, but then it's like okay, well I do understand. Like the Amazon entertainment connection is always really confusing. Right. Also because like all media conglomerates are incredibly bad, (laughs) but nothing but respect to but nothing but respect to all of them. (laughs) Um, Yes, I I I understand that dilemma. I mean, it's like I mean there are Disney shows, then there's also like well you know what I don't know, and then it's also like. I, I have genuinely no idea what the labor conditions are in many of these places. I The yeah. best thing we can do is go case by case. I would say my kind of jokey answer is like, I would ne- <laughs> I don't know how I would confirm this, but there are so many things that are like supplements or vitamins. And I'm like, if I could confirm that they are fully placebos, like they do nothing. I would never advertise something that is harmful for you. But if someone could confirm <laughs> that something is a complete placebo, I would like lie that it works and just know that our listeners are smart enough to not believe me (laughs) that is such a funny answer i wish i had a jokey answer no i don't have one all right next question next question okay this is from maxim do either of you find it difficult to relate to gen z gay men i myself am gen z parentheses 23 and i found it increasingly difficult to find things in common with gay millennials and gen x men i'm surprised to find that although we're both gay the expected generation divide does seem to apply mostly culturally and in terms of humor hmm and then wait the generation gap applies culture and in, in, in through humor mostly culturally and in terms of humor okay and there's also a part two should i do that now or later what is it uh when you both were in your early 20s what was y'all's relationship with aging specifically through the lens of being a gay man sure we can, yeah we can do both okay so how do you feel about relating to gen z gay men um 
I don't feel there's that much of a, I mean, you know, from my experience when I've, I don't know that many 23 year olds. I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. I was trying to think like who are friends of mine that are 23. I mean, (laughs) I'm sure we interact with 23 year olds on a daily basis, but we are in our thirties. So like our close friends are just not 23. And and thank God. <laughs> I mean, how weird would it be if we were like, well, yeah. Jeffrey's kind of like this. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I did famously, as we talked about once, I got drinks with a 23-year-old oh, yes. who like is in New York and went to my college and is like doing comedy. And so we were, uh, you know, talking about that. And it was like, I felt like culturally, and I couldn't tell if he was like appeasing me. <laughs> Or if it was like, at least like, you know, he had the same cultural touchstones. Yes, they come at a different time and a different like uh, have different meaning, like in ways that can be jarring Mm -hmm. where it was like we're talking about like Gaga and he'd be like, yeah, I mean, I remember listening to Bad Romance on my way to middle school. And it's like, right, right, right. That came out when I was in college. And that's like that really like hits you like a ton of bricks of the difference in age. But like generally it was like we we pretty much have the same language uh, but i don't know what's your experience yeah i mean I, my uh my youngest sister is was born in 2000 Whoa. which is so crazy to think about and i'm very close with her and i like you know there are differences between us but like we pretty much speak the same language I, the one kind of thing I would say about all this is that because you and I are very like spend a lot of time on the internet I actually think we pro- we probably relate much more to a 23 year old than the average person in their 30s sure that's a good point I, I think like there's a sort of I mean of course there's a sort of like delayed adolescence that happens with doing comedy when we're like running around even <laughs> even like in our 30s like running around doing like shows and bars and getting tequila sodas with drink tickets like the average person I mean there are people the average person our age is like having children you know so mm-hmm, I do mm-hmm. think like there is less of a generation gap than there would be if I was like an executive at Shell <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I definitely don't feel like I also it's so funny like the way these generation gaps are like talked about I always thought it was kind of a joke when people were like Gen Z sucks millennial suck and then you realize people actually have strong feelings about it and you're like grow up yeah like literally this is so meaningless like (laughs) yes everyone is everyone has different cultural touchstones and everyone grows up and everyone inevitably like becomes more quote-unquote mature or often becomes honestly more conservative in some ways or their priorities change and you kind of like have to like extend some grace to people for being like different ages and different and coming from different life experiences yeah like the idea like yeah this whole like idea that there's a feud between millennials and gen z is like truly grow up (laughs) yeah i mean it is a funny thing because like as millennials like what were my feelings towards gen x like i felt nothing towards them like it was like it was not something i thought of i mean i do think 10 years above us would 10 years above us be gen x yeah i guess so well it's funny because my boyfriend is like seven seven and a half years older than me and a lot of his friends are obviously older than him so it is very like i have many friends now especially through him that are like like that are like up to 15 years older than me and have like children that are like in middle school and i think 
like me interacting with people older than me keeps into perspective my own differences with, with people younger than me. I fully agree. Like I, I have older friends and it's like you learn to like <laughs> it's like you still get along and understand the same things and like maybe have different yeah. perspectives on it slightly. But like like the people that I know that are like Gen X, I'm, mm. I'm not like like I do think we see the world a little bit differently, but not in a way that's like you're wrong. I'm no. right. It's like, uh, yeah. oh, and I actually appreciate a Gen X perspective. Totally. Like it, it there is a different outlook yeah. in a way that I'm like, there's something to it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. All right. Um, OK. And then part two, which I actually do like was. When you both were in your early 20s, what was y'all's relationship with aging, specifically through the lens of being a gay man, and how has it changed? I mean, it's so funny because the thing is when you're in your early 20s, you don't think about anyone other than yourself. I didn't have a relationship with age. I was not thinking in my early 20s, God, I like am afraid of aging or that I can't wait to age. I was just like, I'm depressed and hate myself. <laughs> I I was kind of obsessed with age. I really like HBO's Girls was like obsessed with being sure, like sure, in sure. my 20s, yeah. and I was just like, this is the exact age I am meant to be. But so honestly, my late, late twenties and like turning 30, sorry to sound like the most boring person on earth was kind of jarring for a moment, but in a way where now I'm like, Oh, that was childish to feel that yeah. way. Like now I'm like glad I don't feel that way. Yeah. I kind of uh, love getting older. Yeah. It's kind of fun. I mean, whatever, check back in and however many years, maybe we'll be like, <laughs> full of cheek fillers and <laughs> you know uh, be afraid of aging but right now it's going fine yeah my cheek filler looks great yeah look I better. think you look really good thank I mean, you yeah, yeah you yeah. can't blink but <laughs> yeah because my cheeks are so full <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, all right okay next question this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. we are both dealing with such different issues in our day-to-day lives you have a full-time job in Los Angeles, you've had to uproot your home. You've had to, you have to figure out work-life balance. Meanwhile, I am a freelancer in New York City. How do I fit it all in one day? How do I create my own schedule? What am I, some boss lady in a film? You know, it's so hard. You have to be boss and employee. But you know what? We can't keep these things bottled up. You know, we need to let them out. That's right. People all carry around different stressors, both big and small. And when you bottle them up, it can start to affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I'll tell you something. Therapy in the past for me has been just a place where once a week I can tell someone what I'm thinking of in a safe and enclosed space where no one can enter and ask me to send an email because it is my time and it is my time for therapy. And everyone deserves that in all across this great nation. Yeah. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and hey, suited for your schedule. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Stradio today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Stradio. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Okay, this is from Patrick. <laughs> I love this. I'm a longtime listener, and I love that you've created a safe space for little monsters and kindness punks. Mm. I've loved Gaga for as long as I can remember, but in the spirit of earnestness, I sometimes get conflicted about her motives and whether or not she is being sincere with her fans. <laughs> when I listen to her music, watch her live performances, and take in her fashion moments, I think she's a once-in-a-generation genius. But when I watch her promote Oreos from her couch and say random shit about kindness during the Chromatica Ball, I get pessimistic and worry that her whole shtick is totally hollow and that she's just a rich lady pulling one over on us. Do either of you have doubts slash qualms like this about Mother Monster? Is she sincere and ultimately just basic? Should we care about her motives if we love her music? I would love to know your thoughts. This is such a well, complicated I, you gotta, topic. You gotta go first. I mean, that's the whole thing with her. Like, yeah. it's like the push and pull where you're like, you can't trust her. And that's what, like, you... It's literally like, I think of her as like a force. She's <laughs> obviously a force. Yeah. But you you crave that force to go towards the light, but the darkness is always calling her, and it is like so hard to know which way she's gonna go yeah. and if her compass is right. Totally, I think she has good intentions, but I also think she has bad intentions. It's genuinely very hard to read her. Um, I saw a tweet recently that was like, so when Katy Perry voted for, um, oh my gosh, why am I blinking? Who Caruso? Caruso, thank you. Who ran against Karen Bass? Um, when Katy Perry voted for Caruso, uh. My kind of internet friend Nolan quote tweeted and was like, "Thank God Stephanie doesn't know what year it is," <laughs> and that to me like really encapsulates. It's like, yeah, she doesn't know what year it is. So you have to kind of go into everything with that mindset that she's like, essentially like since the since she was like eighteen years old, she has been pretending she is like a seventy year old kook. Yeah, yeah. And so just like and 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 in terms of like Oreo. Chromatica Oreos and like her skincare line and stuff. It's like, unfortunately, this is the world we live in. I mean, say that. It also, okay, I know what it is for me. You know those balls, like a metal ball that you drop down like a thing and you're almost like a betting thing or and you like see which one it lands on? Yeah. Like Gaga is that always where it's like, oh, please go. No, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, yeah. she's coming back. She's coming back. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she's just like, yeah, I just I, I no part of me is ever going to take her literally or like interrogate her intentions in an earnest way. And maybe that's a cop out, but I'm like she's a cartoon character. She's a cartoon character. And what's funny is when she is like pretending to be super or maybe not even pretending. I believe that she is super earnest. Like, oh, 100%. I mean, she again, this is not original to say, but she is like a full like she's like a theater kid at heart. Yeah. And even when she does her like little sponsored stuff, like there is a part of even that that feels earnest where she's like 
I am feeding everyone Oreos. <laughs> it's also just like, I, I, yeah, we aren't Gen X <laughs> and like we aren't fully anti uh, corporate in a funny way where it's like, I mean, people are going to work with corporations. At least it's going to be Gaga making silly Oreos. I yeah, <laughs> I know. It's tough. I mean, I do go through phases where sometimes the weight of all of it hits me and I'm like, the world is so deeply broken. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure, sure, sure. I, and it and it feels almost too much to bear. <laughs> but yes, yeah. you have to kind of go through the world with a bit of horse blinders on at times. Um, it's only she's, I, I don't know. And maybe I do um, make too many justifications for yeah. her, but I'm like, She's not the Obamas. No, no, She's no. not like... Well, that's what I've always said. Like, it, it keeps kind of... Sh- I don't know. To be honest, it shocks me on a daily basis how seriously people take celebrities. And I say this as not as someone who thinks they're better. Like, I love pop culture or whatever. But, like, you do just have to, like, be like, none of this matters. Like, what matters is, like, actual, you know, social and economic and political issues. <laughs> like, whether Lady Gaga is, like, earnest in her intentions is not, like... The be all end all. Yeah. For the um, record, we want Lady Gaga to be taxed. Yes, that's right. Yes, we do want Lady Gaga to be taxed. It's always when Katy Perry voted for Crusoe, there were it was funny when so many people were like, So this is what y'all's faves like. So yeah, just remember next time when when you think you're relating to someone that they're actually rich. And it's like, yeah, like who who are you addressing? Who thought Katy Perry was like relatable and had like socialist politics? What no. are you talking about? What are you talking about? about? She is one of the yeah. most the dumbest ones we have. She's literally one of the dumbest people who has ever lived. <laughs> My final, I just want to say one final thing about Lady Gaga. I grew up, for better or worse, as like a huge Madonna fan. And Madonna, talk about someone who disappoints you like every day with everything. She, it's like when you have cut your teeth as a Madonna fan, <laughs> nothing, nothing can like make you feel bad. Like Lady Gaga having Chromatica Oreos, please. Have you seen what Madonna was doing for all of the 90s? I mean, literally, I was a Kanye fan. And yeah, it's just yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I'll take an Oreo, please. Thank yes, you. exactly. This is from Joelle. Do you consider yourselves artists? And if so, what motivates you to keep making your art or doing your work if you don't think of yourself as an artist? So, wow. What do you think? We were kind of like, is there any way to answer this without sounding insufferable? And we we're like, yeah, we'll try. And now I'm like, wait, no, there isn't. There's no way to answer this without sounding insufferable. Uh, to actually, I will. my earnest answer is I do not think about that. I, I would have to agree. Like it is not something that is important. Like that distinction is not something that's important Ooh, to me. I actually like that answer a lot because I, I fully agree. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. I, literally never in my life have I been tortured about whether or not I'm an artist. I think the moment I think of my whatever I'm doing as like important, I am now then unable to do it. I yeah. have to think of what I'm doing as stupid and yes. irrelevant or I will never do it. Yeah. <laughs> and thank God it is. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Next, Next question. Okay, so this is funny. This is from Austin. Hi Sam and George. I never thought it could happen to me. I was at the pavement show in early October with my best friend, Princey Straight Woman. She saw Sam from like three feet away, yelled celebrity sighting, and then waved at him until he waved back. <laughs> a few weeks later, I was at Top Dog Underdog with my straight guy friend. Wow. I saw George from a distance, but my friend, whose glasses prescription is six years old, couldn't see him. And so he took a very zoomed in picture attached. After completing the Stradio Lab Pokédex, <laughs> I have a few questions. Did you guys like the show? Mm. Are concerts for girls and plays for boys? Is that why the combination of concerts and plays, musical theater, is gay? Is that why I was at both? 
when you are recognized in public, do you prefer it to happen pavement style, demands your attention from close quarters, or top dog underdog style, creepy surveillance <laughs> you didn't know happened until a month after the fact, if ever? Um, and they attached actually a really amazing photo of George in the theater that he doesn't know is being taken of him, which is funny. Wow. Yeah. I love the I think I look say. great. You look great. So did we like the show? Did you like Pavement? I did. I had a good time at the show. I had a lot of fun hanging out with Claire O'Kane and Ooh. watching the band. There was a, I will say it, there was a hint of sadness yeah. in the like- Nostalgia element kind nostalgia of. Nostalgia element and sort of feeling everyone being older and almost feeling like, what are we doing? <laughs> like sort <laughs> yeah. of like, what is this? Like, is this, is this good? Yeah. Like they don't did they they don't really like they were having fun, but it's like it's not like they're like making new music. Sure. Like they're doing this to please the fans and like put on a big fun show. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of like there was an element of it that half bummed me out, even though I was enjoying and they have meant a lot to me before. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of weird. They're one of my big cultural blind spots. Mm-hmm. I like have never gone through a pavement phase. I think Matthew really liked pavement when he was younger. And we have like a couple of the records at home, but I've I've I don't even know if I've ever if I could name a pavement song. It's just like one of those bands that I never got into. I will say it was fun. I do think it made me realize how far I have strayed from indie rock as a genre. Totally. And I was like, this is kind of fun. I forgot how like bitchy uh yeah. like a Stephen Malkmus can be, where it's just like like annoyed at the audience. Mm-hmm. And I'm like Oh, because I am so used to people being like, "How's it going?" Totally. Let's make some noise. Yeah. And it was like, "Oh, this guy is being a bitch to me," <laughs> and, and and thank God I needed yeah. that. Yeah. Um. Okay. I went to Top Dog Underdog, the play, um, the Susan Laurie Parks play, on Broadway. I I did really like it. Yeah, I really liked it. I felt like. So it ends with this like really emotional monologue, and I. I'm sorry to say, but everyone I've talked to agrees with this. Yaya, who's the actor that... Do you remember the actor... Did you ever watch Watchmen on HBO? Yes. It's the the guy that's Regina King's husband. Oh. Who plays the blue guy. Mm-hmm. So he's, he had the final monologue. I did feel like he didn't quite stick the landing with the monologue, which is... <laughs> it's like, who am I to, to judge? <laughs> he's an incredible actor. But there was something... It just took me out of it a little bit. Like it, sure. it was not fully there, and ev- and I've everyone I talked to kind of agrees. But the rest of it I thought was really good, and yeah, I mean I've really been kind of like ever since theater reopened, I've been really prioritizing trying to see plays because I think the pandemic made me realize I don't know how how much I took it for granted that they existed before, and I didn't make an effort to see them. So I've. And that's been like one of the ones I've been like most excited to see. Yeah, I mean, I wish I had something better to say. I with theater, I'm always like, I really enjoy it, but I have no education in it and could not don't even know like the right terms uh, when talking about theater or <laughs> acting or anything. I just am kind of like, well, sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't. Um, I think we should cut to the Great. when you are recognized in public. Do you prefer it to happen up close or? <laughs> surveillance yeah. style. I mean, once away. again, not to be self-aggrandizing, we're, it's not like we're being recognized left and right. No. But so it's rare enough that it actually is very fun when Ooh. someone comes up. It's because it's very rare and it's never like annoying. No, we still very much enjoy it. We are actually, if you can believe it, not famous. <laughs> <laughs> we in fact have a gay podcast, um, which is amazing. Uh, okay, next one. But we'll let you know when it gets. And by annoying. the way, the best is at a gay bar. Like, yeah, it's just so fun and. We're all we're all family. We're all family, girl. All right. Okay. 
This is from Benjamin. As I write, Twitter appears to be on the verge of collapse due to machinations of capital. Mm. As its users crowd around its deathbed, do you have any favorite tweets slash accounts that you will cherish the memory of? Totally okay if not. Thank you. I can. I actually know what my favorite tweet is. Please. Um, okay. Ah, oh, fuck. Let me. I mean, I wish I remembered the tweeter's name, but I actually think I can find it. Here's the thing. I will. I'm going to say the tweet, and if you search this, you will find who tweeted it. And I'm really sorry. I'm not crediting. Um, her name. I, I. I think her name starts with an L. And 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 I follow her. It is from like the kind of golden era of Twitter where like everyone's being so stupid. But the tweet is, "So what if vaccines make your kid artistic? That doesn't always mean he's gay." <laughs> It's like one of those things that so toes the line of almost being incredibly offensive, but it is ultimately like literally like wordplay. Yeah. (laughs) Like it feels dangerous without actually at all like making any kind of statement. And it's just, it's so funny to me. Wow. I love that. Oh, can I say the other one? Yeah. So Patricia Lockwood once tweeted, (laughs) like, I I wish I remember the wording of it, but it was at Paris Review, like the, the Paris Review's account, it was like at Paris Review. So what do you give Paris, or like, or like, so so what's the so so like where did we land on Paris, or some something along those lines? It was much better worded, uh-huh. but like it was one of those things that now seems almost like okay expected, but at the time it was like this is genius. <laughs> Probably like tw- two thousand nine or something. Like I know I'm trying to think of like old old tweets. I don't know. I can't think of a, That's a true fine. one, but whatever. I love the thought. Okay. This is from Angelina. Now, Jolie. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's from Angelina Jolie. Wow. That's huge. Now that you're a corporate di- darlings oh with big money advertisers, who would your ideal sponsors be if you had to choose them? Oh. What is the Studio Lab brand? Um, well, this is fun because we were at some point asked to give a list of brands we would want to work with, and we were so stumped. It was like, I've never been asked such a toxic question in my yeah. whole life. Because it was like, <laughs> no offense, Olivia, who's the other I I understand that that is a a, a normal part of, of having course. this podcast, and of course it would be much better to do ads for things that we yes. enjoy. But I was really like, wait, what does that mean? Like, I know there, like, there's a part of me that there's a part of me that almost likes a separation of church and state of like yes. not knowing what our ads are because I'm yeah. like, well, I'm a radio personality, and I it, it, you know it's not up to me what the ads are. Yeah, the ads aren't about me. Yeah. But basically, we can say a, f- a few that we put in that list. Well, we were sort of inspired by the Poog approach, and we were sort of like, well, how can we just get like free things that we like? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Or at least because I remember being like, can we do an ad for like Equinox? Like, I want to go to a fancy gym. <laughs> you also, we said like, we kept saying, um, like clothing brand, like, like Land's End, LL Bean, Patagonia. <laughs> like, we were like, we want outerwear and like fun, cozy pajamas. <laughs> um, mine was, which I think I've talked about, Matthew's a huge nuts.com stan. And so I was like, if I could get free nuts.com, like, that would be the most incredible present I could give him. And nuts.com, as far as I know, is like a family run company that, like, I wouldn't mind supporting. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very. The thing is also some of what we were talking about before. It's like so many corporations are so bad. Where it's like even if they're corporations I like, like, like I eat at Chipotle. Sure. I have a weird relationship with Chipotle. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it would be funny to do an ad for Chipotle. And then it's like, oh right, they're in the news for like busting unions. So it's like I don't really yeah. want to do an ad for Chipotle. I'm literally looking up the email of our affinity brands. Oh no, this is gonna be so embarrassing. I won't do all of them. Okay, I did say Warby Parker because my glasses are Warby Parker. And they look and, incredible. And guess what? I look fucking incredible. <laughs> oh, I said all clad cookware because they're really expensive and they're really good quality <laughs> cookware. Um, oh, I said the real real because I honestly 
have many clothes from the real world. Is this interesting? Um, I think nah. it's interesting. Okay. Um, on a more general sense, what yeah. would you say is a Stradio Lab brand? <sighs> well, it's young. It's young. It's gay. It's gay. And it is random. <laughs> <laughs> Which it. is why Nuts.com is, in a weird way, the perfect It's sponsor. so young. It's yeah. so gay. It's so random. It's, like, unexpected. And we could be like, you know, people don't know about it, but Nuts.com. Yeah. All right. Okay. Sam, not to be insane, but I did in fact meet your brother the other night through a mutual comedy friend, and he is lovely. I don't think I realized that you had a sibling who was also a performer until a few months ago, despite having been a fan of yours since the dawn of time. Aww. Wow, that's amazing. As someone who could not be more different from their sibling in every way, I am so curious what it's like to share this space with your brother in whatever ways you do overlap. What did this look like for you two when you were growing up? How did you both end up getting into the biz? And do you ever talk about slash bond over comedy stuff? Love this. I love this question. Um, I love both of my siblings, uh, my older sister and my younger brother, but my brother is in comedy. Um, we've sort of like compartmentalized, I think, by having it be sort of different approaches. Like he has more of a, a writerly and directorly approach. And I went in more like stand up y performery. And I think our overlap is maybe like writing. Like, but he is definitely more like on a film track. But I think he's trying to do more stand up and, and performance because he also likes solo performance and is good at it. I think it's pretty seamless for the most part. And I think it's helpful to like, he can ask me about like, what do you think I should focus on right now? Or like, who, like, what is a good use of my time? And like, I can, like, one time I was writing a script for, I think maybe just to have a sample. And I, but I have no like, training and script writing where he like went to college for film and creative writing and so I like asked sent it to him and was like what is does this make sense like is this like structurally correct and it was like I think very helpful um, we do bond over comedy stuff you know growing up we liked the same things we laughed at the same things and we're influenced by a lot of the same things and just made each other laugh a lot which is not that weird yeah <laughs> I mean he it helps that he's just like a genuinely sweet and nice person and like so seamless whenever we've gone out for a drink or something and he's there he's like so seamlessly part of the group it's not like it's Sam's brother like yeah yeah I, I yeah he's I he's the best yeah he's a little star he's he's got it all and little he's 29 I <laughs> yeah but he is uh three foot four <laughs> yeah yeah very little three foot four inches <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, all right. Okay, and George. Oh, there's more? George. Yes. I don't think your siblings are comedians proper, <laughs> but was comedy an interest you all shared growing up? My brother and I were definitely both interested in performing, mm. but we ended up veering off in completely different directions as people as we got older. TBH, I do think he's a little bit jealous because I've started to pursue comedy as a, say it with me, 30-year-old, and he has yet to make the leap. Interesting. Love that. Um uh, well, yes, my sisters are incredibly funny, as are my parents. And I'm not saying this is like a fake humble thing, but like when we're all together, I'm not the funniest one by any means. Like my youngest sister is like so almost like almost vaudevillian. Like she does these like impressions of our grandmother that are so spot on or like impressions of my mom or like she she will think of like a gesture that like let's say our mom does that I hadn't even noticed. And then she does it. And it's it's like seeing, you know, whatever like a really good actor play like a historical figure in a movie where you're like oh they're like nailing the bit or whatever 
neither of them ever had any uh, intention to to pursue comedy. I don't think they're like drawn to writing or performing. I think they're just like very funny in conversation and very smart. Interestingly, all three of us had an artistic passion and I'm the only one who pursued it. But I don't think that for them it was like that they pursued their second like I don't think they gave up or something. I think they earnestly like cared more about the more serious thing they pursued. So like my middle sister did a lot of visual art like in college she almost minored in art and had like a a solo show of paintings in in college at some point and took drawing classes in high school and was considering being an architect and I think just like ended up enjoying engineering and like wanting to go into a a stable job but it's not like she like stays up at night being like oh god I wish I were a painter I think it's like (laughs) it's not like a, a sad thing and then my youngest sister was like an incredible ballet dancer who would go to like ballet camps where she was the only one that wasn't like homeschooled like all the other ones were like specifically pursuing ballet and my sister literally is now in medical school and so I mean from what I know about the ballet world I'm very happy she's not part of it like yeah I I saw Black Swan yeah I saw Black Swan (laughs) she cannot go through that I don't want her to turn into a swan (laughs) no that is so toxic and she just like loves medicine so much it's like I mean she can't wait to like be a surgeon and and whatever and is always thinking about residencies and all this stuff so so yeah I'm the only one who pursued something creative however it's not that like they're jealous of me or something they are in many ways way happier than than I am (laughs) yeah Okay, this is from Wit, who says, How do you two deal with the feeling that you cannot prove yourself to family, peers, or yourself with various projects you each are a part of? Or have you ever felt this? I know it's hard to say I'm doing it for myself, Mauma, <laughs> <laughs> but I really don't ever want to lose focus and try to do something that I think would please others over my own aspirations. Are we chasing a false and intangible satiation? Why do I know not to compare or strive for other success yet spend every waking moment doing it? Will she, parentheses me, ever be there? <laughs> oh, I love that. Love that. Um, so what was the first question? How do you deal with the feeling that you cannot prove yourself to family, peers, or yourself with the various projects you each are a part of? Oh, interesting. Um, well, I can tell a story that's kind of relevant to this that I think like maybe might be helpful. Um, my parents... Uh, have only ever seen me do stand-up once. It's not because they don't want to. It's because they literally live in a different country. But uh, one time when they were visiting me in Boston, I took them to my home club, the comedy studio, and they saw me do a set. And they didn't have a great reaction to it. Like, I think it was very shocking for them to see me do something that felt so outside the realm of what they expected I would be pursuing. And it's funny because I had kind of planned the whole thing and it was the weekend of my grad school graduation. So I was like, okay, well, they will first see that I did grad school and I also have this as a, like, I I, I knew that it would be difficult for them, but I, and I wasn't, and I was like, okay, great. So this is the perfect thing. Like they'll first see me excelling academically and then they will see me do this. And even so I could just tell that it was like shocking for them. And I had a really, really negative reaction that I kind of regret. Like I was like, so offended that they weren't like complimentary and I was like yelling at them and it was really like it kind of ruined our weekend to be honest in a way that I don't think was necessary um and I think they respond well to like traditional markers of success so for instance the fact like if we were like written up in a magazine they're like oh I know what that is so I am proud 
And I think once I realized that, I was like, oh, well, then I can separate myself from that and do my own thing. And like every now and then they'll be like, oh, my God, yay. And then they don't have to know that I'm also doing shows like in basements. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's not. And, and I and I no longer I don't think I like really seek their approval in that way. Yeah. I don't know. Is that helpful? I I don't really think I'm motivated by approval per se. I, I w- the, the the toxic things that I think about are more like um how am I gonna make money and and like will I let's say I have a job that lasts a certain number of months, will I then be able to find a next job? Like those are the things that stress me out more so than uh, will I have the approval of my peers? Yeah, I definitely think about that. Yeah, I don't, I mean, my parents are very sweet and they're very good at saying like, we're proud of you. Mm -hmm. We're like happy that you've done that. But I also think they, I think they were skeptical when I started, but in a way that I was like, yeah, you should be like, totally. (laughs) I wasn't, and I definitely, it wasn't my goal to impress them. Uh, It was always my goal to like, just do it. And it was like, I understand that you're being, and I almost think that was helpful for them because when you're looking for their approval, there's like, well, there's nothing to approve yet. Like you haven't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you just moved to New York to do open mics. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, and they were essentially like, as long as you're paying your own rent. Like I was going to say, like, not to open a can of worms, but like, yeah, I, I would never feel comfortable like asking my parents for money so that I could pursue comedy. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. It, it, so, yeah. yeah, I think that would be like... I don't know. There's something about being financially independent where you're like, well, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in terms of our peers, though, I do crave. Yeah. I no, crave I do. Peer. No, I do. It's true. It's true. I, I really like I'm very aware of how I react when I think someone is doing bad material or hack material or if they're like uh, pandering or if they're doing clap. Tr- like and I do feel like sometimes if something doesn't land, I'm so aware of the fact that people are watching in the audience. I not to be we're being earnestness. Yes. I had a meeting in a Los Angeles meeting mm. and I was telling them about the show I used to do and because I was like telling them about this idea I had about like a pop star thing and I was like you know I used to do the show and like I was like you know I don't know if like blank you saw it because you were at that other thing and they were like no one's seen that <laughs> in a way where, cause, like, I was like I, I, I think I might bring it back but I'm worried that it's like hack and they were like you know no one had, like maybe 200 people saw that show totally, like totally. in the whole world yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, see, I'm so concerned with did Open Mic Friend 2 exactly. see this? Yeah, yeah. Like, will they think when I post about this on Instagram that I suck now? Mm-hmm. And it's like, why is that? That is a weird thing to care so deeply about. And I am I think it was kind of a wake up. Like, I was like, maybe I do need to break my... I mean, it's helpful to keep in mind, but it's not helpful to tie yourself to. Well, there's a way in which it's all public where, I mean, imagine if you're someone who works in a job and you're, like, making a PowerPoint presentation or something and all your friends and, like, all your friends have seen every PowerPoint you've ever made. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and you're like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Fall back on my, like, stop relying on that graphic, mama. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, that is so unnatural. It, it's, it's unnatural and it, like, only exists in our specific literally only in performance basically because even if you're just a writer then it's just the people that are in the room with you that know what you're pitching you can go and pitch the same exact joke like five times in a row in different rooms and no one will know Mm -hmm. so yes it is weird and in fact i would like to retract what i said before i do crave my peers approval yeah and i actually need to crave it a little bit less agreed okay next question 
All we seem to ask famous people is about their diets and skincare routines, but I'd like to know more about your cultural slash media diet. What do you consume that's good and bad for you? How do you keep your comedy brain nourished? What rituals do you want to build? Okay, I just want to say I pitched this as an idea at Gawker that we should do something like Grub Street Diet, but it's about people's media diet. Okay. And then we were like, gonna do it. And then literally another, I can't remember, I think it might be The Verge, but like another website started doing it and I was like pissed. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, media diets. Do you want to go first? Um, sure. I think this year, I'll, I'll say this year, I've been trying to like, be more active I mean maybe it's a constant pursuit I don't remember when I started to be trying to be more active but I'm trying to be more active in what I do consume because I you know when you're scrolling on your phone yeah. and it's like okay I just wasted an hour like if I am on like TikTok for even a half hour I'm like okay jump off a cliff yeah Um, so I I have taken up I've been reading more which has been helpful because I it does calm and nourish me and it honestly is like I think the older I get, the more I return to it where I'm like, this actually does make me feel better. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm learning, but I also feel like I'm being entertained and I feel like I'm relaxing and it really is something that is nice. I like watching TV is hard because there's so much TV and I like am pretentious about it too in a way that I don't necessarily like where I'm like only want to watch the best. And it's like, I'm I, trying to drop that. No, you know what though? It's good. It, it like there's so much garbage like why why watch all the garbage like I'm kind of honestly something we have in common is that we don't watch reality TV and like no offense to people who do but like I kind of like that about us <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah yeah no there's something to it but I also am starting to get sick of like sometimes I will be like like the prestige stuff yeah yeah I agree I, I I know I've been a little I've been pretty uninspired by TV <laughs> But I am, yeah, I've also been seeing a lot of movies, mm-hmm. trying to, I, I, it's so helpful to be able to go to a movie theater for me. I don't like watching I movies at home. I completely agree. Yeah. What, what what would you say your answer is? Um, well, in terms of like new stuff, I, every morning I try to read the, I read the New York Times um, <laughs> European morning newsletter. Really? <laughs> yeah, because it's like better at having like world news. I, I found that during the pandemic, the US one was so like focused on specifically COVID news in the US where I was like, I understand this is important, but like it's not helping me to just like read the numbers every morning and then like five paragraphs about them. Mm -hmm. And so that has been kind of a nice, just like, it's like a nice rundown of just like what's going on in the world. And even if sometimes it kind of washes over me, I'm like at any given point, I like vaguely know what's happening in Ukraine and like vaguely know if there's an election in another country and I think it's like I don't know it's just like a nice um not that I have like important opinions about any of these things but it is nice to just like be aware I find that I it makes me feel like more grounded in the world to like have a sense of what's going on and then we subscribe to like the New Yorker and New York magazine because my boyfriend works there and those I kind of like dip in and out like there can be like months where I'm like really reading a lot of magazines and then full like six months where I don't open a single one another thing I would like to add is that one thing one specific thing that I can't tell if it's good or bad for me that I am doing right now is playing the uh, like playing video games oh, sure. and specifically I've been playing like Elden Ring mm-hmm. which is like very involved and requires like you have to like remember you have to like me- know the map and like remember where to go to get certain items and it's like it's very expansive and like yeah. very time consuming 
and I do have fun with it, but I'm at the same time, I'm like, that was four hours. Totally. It was that, what, do I feel better? And I uh, cannot tell. And I know not everything needs to be for productivity. You can have fun. Right. Um, but I am sort of torn on <laughs> like whether or not that is a, even a good way to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. um, I'm trying to think in terms of like movies, music, like music is honestly something I would like to be better at being intentional about. I don't, I've never been someone who makes playlists. I end up just like whatever comes to mind. I'm like, uh, Heim. And then I'll just like play Heim and like, <laughs> let it, let it play. Or like, I don't know, we got a record player and I thought that would be better for us but then it's like okay well now we have like nine records <laughs> like <laughs> i guess it's like a lifelong <laughs> battle um and then like movies i completely agree with you that i have to be in a theater i mean i don't have to be in a theater but it really helps to be in a theater like i thought i would be so much better at watching movies during the pandemic i subscribe to criteria and all this stuff and i never want to watch movies no you need a theater i yeah and then tv i'm like i don't know it's like every now and then i'll get into a show but i've been rewatching a lot of curb and 30 rock I'm watching Curb 2. Yeah, it's so Curb good. is so good. <laughs> Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, next question. The question is, George, you have hinted that there are much better Greek isles to visit <laughs> than the popular tourist destinations. Can you give a breakdown? I am badly in need of a vacation. And this is our last email question, actually. Okay, great. Um, wait, You're will you pee? answer this while I go pee? Sure. All right, well, I'm, I'm alone in the room. I'm alone in the room. <laughs> um, yes, I would say that 
I am a little out of the loop in terms of what the trendy islands are. I feel like I used to be way more aware of that when I was in high school. But I really like when I was in high school, when I was like uh, 18, I really liked going to Kufonicia, um, K-O-U-F-F, K-O-U-F-O-N-I-S-S-I. It's like super walkable and there's a lot of like camping and it doesn't feel too overrun by tourists. And then I would say that if you look into like the less well-known Cycladic Islands, so the, the mo- most well-known ones obviously are like Santorini and Mykonos, but if you look at like Folegandros or Amorgos, those are really nice places. Idra and Spetses are really nice islands to go to. And then my family recently has been going to Tinos, which is very up and coming, I hear. Uh, but again, I'm sure I'm missing things. I Whenever people ask me for cool wrecks, like queer wrecks or like re- recommendations in Athens, I, I'm always at a loss because I truly have not lived there since I was 18 and it has undergone many different booms and busts since then. So that would be my answer. Wow. I can't believe there were enough islands to talk about while I went pee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So those are our email questions. By the way, we say this every time we do this, but we, we can't get to all the questions, but we did read literally every single one of them. Yeah. And and some of them we didn't get to not because they're bad, but because they like would require too long of an answer and there's simply no time. But we appreciate every yes. single one of them. Genuinely. Okay. All right. And I will say we have four questions left. Okay. Here's one from Caroline. How do y'all feel about marijuana? And then it's 12 <laughs> question marks. <laughs> See, I love our DM questions because they're definitely a more casual energy yeah, yeah. in a way that is like very appropriate. Um, I can start. Sure. I, I, I feel like for literally, I was scared of it and bad at it for like till I was like 27. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, I think actually maybe I'll even very rarely did it until like the pandemic. And then I was like, okay, I need something else around here. Totally. <laughs> um, and now it's like a, I it's like such a fun. I love now. I'm like a once a week an edible on a Sunday mm-hmm. is like, the uh, truly the best way to relax. Yeah, um, I love the stuff. I would honestly love to. I I have never. I'm just not a big. Yeah, I'm not a big weed person. First of all, I think I've, we've maybe even talked about this. I have never been a social weed person, or when people are like, I love like smoking weed and running errands. It's like absolutely not. I feel no. out of my mind. If I'm going to smoke weed, I have to be at home either alone or with my partner. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, lock the door. Lock the door. <laughs> tight. <laughs> mow, mow. mow, mow. <laughs> what I do like, my coworker was telling me that she d- does an edible like as a sleep aid at night. And I do have really bad insomnia. And if I could find a way to like do that in a healthy way. I would love that. Like if I could like naturally fall, I mean, obviously it would not be natural <laughs> if I could artificially fall asleep <laughs> um, every night. That would be great. But yeah, I have been doing it a little bit more during the pandemic, um, but it's like maybe once every few weeks. Uh, and yeah, I'm not I'm just I'm not a huge weed head, but I'm learning and I'm listening. Yeah, I'm seeing value in it. Yeah. All right. OK, this is such a fun question from Richard. It simply says, are people nicer than they used to be? I love this question so much. And this, again, DM questions, nothing with respect to my emailers. You are so efficient and you really are good at your jobs. Mm-hmm. But the DM people really can cut to the core in yeah. like this very quick way. Email questions are like shout outs. 
DM questions are like straight shooters. Yes. Okay. The question is, are people nicer than they used to be? And so this is such a simple question and yet so, so complicated. 100%. Because I actually feel so much more turmoil generally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where like, like people are nice. Like the people that like us are nice. Oh, I didn't even think about it in terms of us. I, oh. I, I felt I, okay. In my mind, this is like a general question about the world, which I like even more. Oh my are God. Are people nicer than they used to be? Hmm. Is that wrong? You're probably right. I guess it, it should be about Well, us. I mean, there's no context. We could, it could be either. I kind of like the general one. Better. Me too. But the other one, the one about us is more earnest. I guess that's true. Okay. But I mean, let's, I'll answer the, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll answer do, from you me. You do about us. Um, <laughs> I think both of us are, <laughs> we're also receiving critique in a way that is new. Like just because there's more people listening where it'll be like, there will just be like there's more separation like there it's not like oh i'm friends with someone that's friends with them mm -hmm. it's like oh that's a i don't know these guys at all and i listened to their podcast and like this bothered me or mm -hmm. like and it's sort of like oh weird like it's really hard for me to like shake it when someone says something negative in a way that is i'm sure we have more positive than negative but the negatives stick out so hard of course. and so uh, i'm always like yeah. so i'm like no people are meaner than ever before <laughs> yeah it's true yeah i mean and now you talk from a general. I like don't. Yeah, I like don't want to harp on it, but and because ultimately, like, we're very lucky, generally speaking. Of course. But we are both cancers, mm. and like, it comes with some it baggage. Crushes me <laughs> if someone says a single thing that's like mean about me. Yeah. And uh, sadly, there's no um, filter where you can just choose nice only. <laughs> yeah, because it is like I want you to be able to express yourself. It's just like I yeah. just don't really want to know. I know. Yeah, that's the, that. It's true. It is. It's also just like an impulse that like I've never left a bad Yelp review. Like it's just a different style of it's a different like type of personality. Totally. Which is totally fine. Um, in terms of people generally being nicer than they used to be, I kind of think people are less nice than they used to be. Yeah. Because I think there's, <laughs> this is going to sound so conservative, but I almost think like uh, there is, there is less consensus about what good manners are almost. <laughs> totally. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I like there's I almost something where I'm like, sometimes people just act like complete people that are like, you know, that you s interact with like strangers on the street or at a store or with a barista or whatever. Like sometimes people act in such an insane way where I'm like, Oh, I guess maybe wasps made some points when they decided to be like emotionally stunted and shut down. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I have to agree. I think people are less nice. Yeah. All right. Okay. This is another Twitter question. Will you both leave Twitter or stay? Okay. So, uh, what how do you feel about this? I'm very curious. Um to be honest, I mean, talk about like we were talking about our media diets before. Like I've I, talk, I say this constantly, but like it, it really is my one gravest addiction in a way that feels at this point so humiliating, so like 2013, but I wish I could quit it. And it's like when you talk about playing video games, that's literally how I am sometimes with Twitter where it'll I'll just like get sucked in and it doesn't even feel relevant anymore. Like, no, it's it's kind of like a flop platform. Like the people left there are like it's like a you know, it's like. Batman's Gotham <laughs> and you're like in a dark alleyway or something and yet for whatever reason I think because I have met people there it has been like I've even gotten professional opportunities there or whatever there's just something about it that 
it's almost like a safety blanket or something. It's also just my, and it's hard to tell if this is a chicken or the egg situation, mm -hmm. but like, it's so much easier for my brain to think in that format. Like I yeah. can't go on, like, it's so easy to like fire off a tweet and not care. Like I can't fire off an Instagram no. and not care. I can't fire off a TikTok and not care. Like a tweet is so low lift and so like can cut to the yeah. chase of what I'm trying to. It's also just how my brain works. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I think I naturally think in little bite-sized thoughts. Not that that's original, but like <laughs> that is, I think w way more that than like conceptually, like some people do who are like make the, like complicated videos or something like I, that's just how I think it has always like I remember you know early days when it was mostly jokes like I thought it was so funny and like you know you'd spent like five minutes on it and laugh like three times um but yeah now is bad um, yeah it's bad it's hard to give up though it's bad and it's almost like it's almost like all these people are like in pain there's also this this thing where people act so um detached in a way where you're like oh god like at this point you're like 35 and have two kids like <laughs> I don't know you gotta well, move on you gotta move on and people are like really yeah trying to keep the bits up and yeah, it's like it's tough I, you know people are like making like literally like fake conversations still yes, and it's like yeah. what are we doing here yeah there is a part of me that almost wishes it would all crash and I would be like freed I'm yeah that's like, kind of how I feel honestly I wonder what my brain would do afterwards yeah but while it is around, I will still probably yeah, check still, it and still probably use it, unfortunately. Use it. All right, last question. Oh my gosh. This is from Dana. What do each of you believe to be the straightest art medium and why? And then bonus question, which is actually a really good one to end on. What are each of you looking forward to most in 2023? So oh. first, what is the straightest art medium and why? That's a really good question. Yeah. I'm gonna say not painting. Not painting. Not even sculpture. Not sculpture. Um, potentially performance art. Interesting. <laughs> so unexpected. Yeah. No, I mean, that's probably not right. I actually have a good one. Okay. I think it's like graphic design. Mm. And I understand there are arguments of the contrary, but I feel like a sort of like being like a font nerd and like, and, and, yeah, I, I, I really think font nerd specifically yeah. is is it. Yeah. I mean to be honest, it's like <laughs> sometimes, you know, you go go to like um oh god, what's that museum that's like designed it's like the Cooper the Cooper Hewitt I can't remember, but you you go to like um like a little museum exhibition of like design work and you're like, Oh, yeah, no, this is why painting is better. <laughs> like <laughs> like of course I like respect industrial design and graphic design and all this stuff. Industrial design is another thing where people are like, the, the iPod was such a beautiful artifact. And you're like, yeah, it was. But like, I actually would rather look at a painting. <laughs> <laughs> that's my answer. Uh, yeah, no, that's a very good answer. Um, I also want to say that uh, pranks and pranks mm. are art They're and art. Yep. they are uh, straight art. Great. All right. Final question. What are each of you looking forward to most in 2023? Wow. The Oscars. <laughs> 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 yeah, I want Kate Blanchett to mm. win. Uh, I don't know. It's like I still have a month. <laughs> I know. I have to I have to do a lot of goals. I have to go to the dentist the next month. And that is a true goal of mine. Do you know what I'm looking forward to? Okay, I don't really track like I haven't really traveled other than seeing my parents, which 
obviously I'm very lucky that my parents live in a very beautiful country and that does count as travel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> However, I'm not someone who like is like, I'm going to Japan. I, you know, I don't do a lot of big trips like that. And I think that this year I want to do like do a an international trip for pleasure with my boyfriend. Fun. And uh, I kind of want to be the one to plan it. And I want it to be like a fun, you know, a fun thing I do as an adult. I think that's very fun. I, God, what am I looking forward to? Proposing to Misha. <laughs> <laughs> Mom. <laughs> Um, when are you going to give me grandkids? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, yeah, I don't know. Wow. Yeah, is that a good answer? Yeah, there's kind of beauty in that. <laughs> I I don't, um, I will have goals. Yeah. But part of my thing with goals is never to expect them and more. Yeah. They're things to look And I was for. trying not to go career. Yeah. And I even mean like, like I also have talked about like, trying to go abroad next year mm-hmm. like in like but then i'm like but realistically will i i'm not sure yeah i would like to but wanting to do something and doing it are different yeah so i'm not sure well you're open to possibilities possibilities you're, go- you're going out into the world and you're saying <laughs> i say yes to it all <laughs> yeah I'm looking forward to a new killer season of Drag Race <laughs> this <laughs> spring. Um, I know. I'm. Try- are there cultural things we're looking forward to? I mean, oh, you know what? I'm. Again, this is all. I don't know. I. It's kind of. It goes back to my theater thing. Like I've. I kind of have a newfound zest for things that I like didn't do before the pandemic. So I'm like, honestly, this is so embarrassing to admit. Like seeing Tar made me want to like go to the Philharmonic. <laughs> like, I want to do that. I've never done that. Like, I think that would be really fun. Sure. No? No, I mean... Or, yeah. like, something like that. Or, like, I don't know. Like, take advantage of things that are, like, close to us that we wouldn't think to do. I yeah. I feel like that's, that's like, kind of where I'm at right now. I'm, like, excited about, like, reading the uh, goings-on about town section of the New Yorker and being like, well, I'll go to that exhibit. Well, if it's going on about <laughs> well, town. If it's going on about town. That's where I live. Town. <laughs> Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. And you know what else I'm looking forward to? My sister moved to New York uh, in the last couple months, and it's been so nice to have her, and I'm, like, excited about, like, doing things together. And you know what else? I have a final qu- I have a final answer. I'm going to relearn how to drive. Wow. And that is a promise. In 2023, I'm going to take driving lessons. Wow. And re-get my license. Well, you have so many things. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like 2023. Yeah, I'm gonna. Um, damn, I'm gonna commit. To You're gonna get that big back tattoo that you've always <laughs> wanted. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm. Well, we're redoing the bedroom. <laughs> um, hmm, 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 hmm. We're gonna figure out the internet. Mm. Yeah. Well, I have to figure out the internet. <laughs> um, no, I'm. I'm looking forward to whatever comes. Love that. Great. Well. Well, thank you all for listening. Yeah. Hope this wasn't boring as hell. And if it was, yeah, that's the point. Yeah, and sorry for all the ads. <laughs> <laughs> all right, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. We love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. 
That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 